0: You know, I have a friend who's a uh, clinical psychologist, and um, then she got saved and introduced the Holy Spirit into her counseling. And she was sharing a case with one of her colleagues, and her colleague said, oh, that'll take like two years for that person to recover from that damage. And she said, oh, no, it'll take about six months. She said, what do you mean six months? I mean, it's two years for a case like this. We've been doing this for 30 years. We know. She said, well, I have found that when I invite the Holy Spirit into my counseling sessions that he does a really a much quicker work (laughs) than amazing duck. So we're in the book of John, and I I I encourage you to continue to read the book of John as we're going through it, because as we as a spiritual community dive into a book together, seeking God together, the Holy Spirit begins to reveal uh, Christ to us. And, uh, you know, the closer you get to Jesus, the greater your joy increases, the greater your peace, peace increases, the greater your faith increases. And so the first half of the book of John was about his public ministry. Now we just shifted into his week, the week before he is crucified and then raised from the dead. And so now he's gathered his best friends and he hangs out with them for that week and he teaches them and downloads everything that he can in that short amount of time. And so uh, that started in chapter 13 that Mark did and I taught chapter 14 So today we are inviting uh, Kirsten Clegg who is a longtime member of our church and uh, has a strong prophetic gifting on her A great teaching gift and she's going to bring John chapter 15 to, 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 to us today. So let's welcome Kirsten Clegg
1: Honor to be with you this morning and to be able to bring John 15 and what God is saying to our hearts this morning. So, uh, if you don't mind, let's just stop here for a word of prayer. God, you are so faithful. You are so kind, and you have been speaking to us throughout the last few weeks of your goodness and of your desire for intimacy with us. And you have laid out a word. Not only for your disciples long ago, but for us, your children here today. And so, God, I thank you that you are going to speak words of life. You are going to speak words of encouragement. And you are going to speak words of deliverance and salvation to us this morning. So we give you space right now to have your way, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So I didn't invite Mark Myers up here this morning, our golden voice, to uh, read John 15 as he has done so many of our chapters throughout the week. Bruce offered to come up and read, but he knew he couldn't compete with, with Mark. So then he offered to uh, do some sign language for us as I read, but I reminded him he doesn't know sign language. So he's going to stay down there today, and I'm just going to briefly read part of the chapter to you before we just dive in to what God has for us this morning. John 15 verse 1 says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Verse 5 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. And if a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Those are the first five verses that set up for us the entire chapter. And in in my mind, as I was looking at it, I just began to think, this is kind of the thesis statement of what God wants to say to his disciples in this chapter. And he sets it up by simply saying, I'm going to give you the characters of, of who we're talking about. I'm the vine. I'm going to give you the character, the gardener, who is the father, and the branches, who are you. And he sets up this allegory for us to depict this message that he has in his heart to impart and to instill and to convey as an important message for us to know. I mean, his last few breaths, his last few hours here on earth, and, and this is what he wants us to understand. And so looking at verse 1, uh, we, we look at the, the vine and the farmer, and it struck me that God chose a, a vineyard. He chose to use this specific type of crop or field To convey a message to us and why. I mean, symbolically in the Old Testament, it was used to talk about Israel, Judaism, God's chosen people. And throughout the Old Testament, it was used frequently, uh, symbolizing the vine, the grapevine, and Israel. I mean, it was on the exterior of the temple, it was used in some of their currency, it was a symbol of who they were. And so now, here God's using it in the New Testament. Saying, this is still important. I see you. I know who you are. And I'm going to use who you think you are, your identity, to reveal who I say you are and who I want you to be. And what identity and destiny and purpose and value I want to see in you. And so he begins to lay it out. And I love, I love, I love how he depicts the father as a gardener. Or as a farmer, really. The one who is the vine dresser who takes care of the crop because in my mind, I'm picturing this farmer who sacrifices everything. He gets up in the wee mornings, he goes and he, he lives and breathes the soil and the climate and all these different aspects of, of his crop of his plot of land, because he knows that the more he invests in his crop, in his land, in his growing. In his vine, the more fruit is produced. And in the end, truly, that's what all, all that matters. I mean, he, his whole purpose is to establish this vine so that it will bear fruit. And it says, if I remain in you and you in me, you will bear fruit. And so I loved the picture I got of the Heavenly Father as our farmer. I mean, it's not one you probably often wake up thinking of God and his cowboy hat and walking out into the field, right? It's not not one I I normally would think of, but he's looking for children. He's looking for children he can bring up close to him and to show himself to because he desires to see fruit in our lives. And one of the really great things about digging into um, his word is sometimes we read things and we don't fully understand What he might be saying and we might go back to the greek and get a little bit better understanding of what he means or god might illuminate The holy spirit might illuminate something to us. Well, he Desires to do that to us this morning. It's not just these red words that we're looking at It's his holy spirit breathing into our hearts this morning And each one of you might hear something a little different and that's okay because My prayer this morning is that god will illuminate to each one of our hearts what we need to hear so that we understand as individuals what he desires for us and what it looks like to remain in him and what it looks like to be planted in him and for him to be planted in us. So looking at verse 2, I thought it was very interesting that in the NIV it says, He will cut off every branch in me that bears no fruit. But when I looked back into the Greek, the word actually had a connotation of of taking up to himself. It wasn't just a casting away, a cutting off, which it can kind of mean that. But in this verse specifically, it was more of a, a taking up and gathering up those branches that are low, that aren't producing fruit, but bringing it up, taking it up closer to himself. And this morning, some of you might feel like those branches who aren't producing fruit and who are kind of far away and might be on the ground. And God is saying to you this morning, I'm not cutting you off. I am your loving Heavenly Father. My desire is to bring you up close to myself and to help you see who you are so that you will produce fruit. That is what the Holy Spirit is saying to us this morning. And I love the Passion Translation. I don't know if any of you are familiar with it. It was written, it's unlike the message version. It is more of an everyday vernacular, but it's, it's, it's strong in its translation. And he uses the Greek and um, uses, goes back to the root words. So I'd like to read to you uh, John 15:1 through 2 in the Passion Translation. I am like a sprouting vine, and the farmer who tends the vine is my father. He cares for the branches connected to me by lifting and propping up the fruitless branches. And pruning every fruitful branch to yield a greater harvest. And that's the father's heart. That's the gardener who desires a great produce, a great productive vine, a great harvest, uh, an abundant crop. And that's the father this morning who's looking for abundance in our lives. He's here this morning to bring abundance to us if we would just open our hearts and let him in. Verse 3 talks about how he's come to speak life over us. And that pruning that it talks about can also mean a cleansing. And he's already done that here this morning through the worship. I mean, every song was so strong in its powerful message of love and and how we're friends of God. And we're not slaves and we're we're not to be cast down. And we can ask for more. We can let God overtake us. I love that last chorus of God's presence overtaking us. And that is what... This verse, these chapters in John 15 are all about. It's so rich. It's, it's quite incredible. Uh, John mentioned that Mark talked about uh, John 13 a few weeks ago, and he did an incredible job focusing on the washing and the cleansing and the love Aspect of, of John 13 and what Jesus did as an example for us. So I'm not going to go into that because this verse 3 has a lot to do with that. If you didn't hear his message, I would encourage you to go back and listen to it online. It's definitely worth it. Um, but I just simply want to say that a vineyard exists to produce wine. Here he's talking to me. Thank you. It's not the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I didn't even touch a button, so that was a little odd. But <laughs> yes, Lord. Um, <laughs> um, a vineyard is is exists to produce wine, and so God here is saying to us that in this chapter, I have a purpose for you, and it's to produce fruit. And let me show you. Let me walk you through what that looks like. And I loved the whole picture of a grapevine. I imagined it as this one large stalk and um, with its roots that went down deep and it was strong and it was vibrant and it was full of, of life, it was viable. And as it grew up strong, the branches then go out laterally. So we have this vertical and then this horizontal aspect of what God's trying to convey to us this morning. And so we're, gonna, we're going to dive into what that looks like, this vertical aspect of who we are in Christ, and the lateral aspect of what we do, then, as we grow out and spread out and become the vine that covers the city and covers our neighborhoods and covers our families and covers ver- uh, horizontally, so that it can produce fruit that extends out beyond where the the center vine is, because the center vine. <laughs> I will, the center vine can only stay in one place it's grounded in one place but that's why jesus says to us if you remain in me and i remain in you you're going to go out and you're going to bear fruit And each one of you has that opportunity and each one of you has the commission and the call and the invitation this morning to become a better vine and to become a stronger branch and to become a more productive Christian and mother and father and sister and brother and worker and whatever you can fill in the blank because that is who we are in Christ. And so I'd like to step back from John for just a moment. And share that over the last year and a half, um, God's really been working within me. And he's taken me through some really deep wells with him. And I've found so many amazing truths and promises that he's unpacked for me. You know, like a layer, layer by layer, an onion getting unraveled. And it's been incredible to just... Be with him and to experience him and to encounter him, and one of those, um, one of those lessons, I should say, uh, had to do with oneness. And I didn't figure out exactly what he was saying to me right away. I kept seeing these these one um, elevens on the clock and on the timers and on my receipts and out in um, restaurants. I would get a, you know, get a table number, and it was 111, and I kept saying, what is up with all of these 111s, and 1111 on the clock, every, I mean, he'd wake me up in the middle of the night, it would be one in the morning, and I'd turn over and look at the clock, 111, okay, God, I get it, what do you want to say to me, and I knew 11 had to do with transition, and I kind of dealt with that in the past, I knew, he'd already taught me that lesson, so in my spirit, I was like, no, this is not about transition, although we're in a transition time, we're going to be buying a house, and moving, and we're Starting a new season and transition, yes, but no, there's more. There's more he wants to say to me. And I love how the Holy Spirit is so faithful to give, dangle out a little carrot and say, if you want me, I have a message for you. I have mysteries. He's hidden mysteries for kings to go and search out, right? And so I began searching, and I'd look at verses that had 11, and I, I don't know. I was just asking. I was, I was on the hunt. And um, it hit me one day as I was reading through a couple different verses, that he, he, he just simply said, I want to teach you that every hour, every moment, every minute, I desire to be one with you. These ones that you're seeing is about oneness with me. And when I heard that, it like shot me to the heart, and I said, yes, that is the message you've been trying to convey. And so today I want to unpack that a little bit for you. And as we do that, I want you to see the parallelism, the comparison between how we live today and how, looking back at this vineyard, that God didn't just, by happenstance, choose. He had a message he wanted to use, using this allegory of a, of a vineyard. What does that look like? And so I started diving into, okay, verse 4 in John 15 talks about us being one with him and remaining with him. And if we look at, I think... I'm There we go. If we look at um, it in the Passion Version, here's what it says. So enter into life union with me, for I have entered into life union with you. For as a branch severed from the vine will not bear fruit, so your life will be fruitless unless you live your life intimately joined to mine. And that went along with that picture of oneness that I kept seeing. And so I dove into, okay, what does this mean? And looking back, this verse is talking about a sprout that is young and immature being grafted into the strong, hardy, living, viable stalk or vine. And so I started digging into, okay, what does that mean and what does that look like? If you and I have been grafted into Christ, which it says we have been, what does that mean? So I read some, did some research. I read some things. I watched some videos, which were really amazing, by the way. If you ever want to Google grafting it, it's worth watching. They showed us the process of what it looks like to graft in a small bud into a, a mature, stable, viable vine. And what they did is they cut a T-mark in the bark of the vine. Now, we're going to revisit that in just a minute. But what they did is they would peel back the bark, and then they would stick the graft, the shoot, the scion, into that place. It was like a little pocket. And it would have to be nestled up right next to the skin of the vine, skin to skin, shoot to vine. No separation, no holes, no knots in the way. It nestled up right next to it, and then they would cover the bark back over, clothe the chute, and pierce a nail through to keep them joined. Now, I don't know if that hits you the way it hit me when I did some research, but I, to me it was pretty clear. It has the cross written all over it, doesn't it? In the ancient Roman Greek time, their cross actually wasn't the cross that we normally see today. It was more like a T. And, the, you know, it wasn't always that way, but a lot of, of, of scholars say that it was. It looked more like a T instead of this type of cross. And what God did was pierce through the vine, cutting open in the formation of a cross and peeling back, so that he could graft us in, he could place us right next to the heart of the vine and cover us or clothe us in his skin and pierce through the nail so that we not only died with Christ, but we can now live with Christ. That's the picture that God is speaking to our hearts about this morning. You not only were dead and died with christ but you now live so closely to his heart you've been set into him clothed in him that you now have the opportunity to live and live abundantly and live with his source his strength his roots his spirit his power his commitment his love his passion his joy his peace everything that is in him everything that is in the vine is now available to you not because He gave it to you, but because you are one with him It's not one plus one equals two It's one plus one equals one you it's like a multiplication and that's what god kept speaking to my heart It's not this equation of one plus one equals two. No, we're talking multiplication one group of one thing You are one in christ And as we do that we then multiply and we spread out laterally we spread out horizontally and we are able to produce more because we are in him if you don't mind were you able um chris to pull up that one image of the the vine that uh had the branches yes that one perfect i was it has it been up there the whole time sorry um this is what it looks like This is what the cross looks like. This is who we are in him. We are one and we spread out. And and actually what was so cool is I came across a, a Greek word for oneness, soma. And he talks about the whole body with Christ as the head. And if you look at a picture of a vine, in some pictures they have it marked as crown. And in some pictures they have it marked as head Jesus Christ is the vine, and he is the head at the top, and we are his branches. And that's the picture of us in Christ, and that's the picture of oneness this morning that he wants to show us. One morning, I often like to drop the kids off at school, and then I don't have to go to work right away, so I have a short little window where I can go sit somewhere and read and just get my heart ready and maybe prepare a few last-minute things before I teach. And um, so I often stop at Panera. Um, And just get a tea. I don't go crazy, but I get a tea and I sit there and um, just do a little reading. And one morning I was walking out and I happened to be leaving the parking lot. And right in front of me, with the sun behind it and the clouds and the blue sky, was Mule Hill. I see it from the mall. And I just looked ahead and I began to weep. Because it was the exact picture of what had been going on in my heart One cross, one Lord, one name above every other name, and he was drawing me into himself. He was considering me part of him, and I consider him part of me. And it was in that moment when God clicked something in my mind, and I no longer saw the 11 or the ones that I've been seeing, and I saw it form a cross. And he took the 11, the ones, and moved that one um horizontally and, and kept the one vertical and I saw a picture of the cross and I knew God you you are so faithful sometimes he doesn't speak to us in a language that we normally know or understand but I share that story with you because I want to challenge you to become aware of what he's speaking to your heart he may use words he may use songs he may use a friend he may use his word absolutely But sometimes he chooses kind of mysterious ways to communicate because he wants to draw us in. He wants us to hunger and thirst for him. He wants that mystery side of things because he wants us to desire him. And so I share that story with you about Mule Hill and the cross and me seeing 11s turn into crosses. Not because I'm crazy. Well, you can vote on that later. But because I want you to know that there are so many different ways that God wants to communicate with you. And if you hear that this morning, then I am happy because that will set you on a course of hungering and thirsting after what God is desiring for you, and you can come to the conclusion on your own. So we've been talking about union with Christ, remaining in him, he'll remain in us, remaining in the vine. It says in uh, 15 chapter 15, 7 through 8, and 9 through 10. If you step into my life in union with me, and if my words live powerfully within you, then you can ask whatever you desire and it will be done. And when your lives bear abundant fruit, you demonstrate that you are my mature disciples who glorify my Father. When when we live in him and his words, Live powerfully within us when you give him space to speak to you when you give him opportunity Opportunity to ray a word that present that now that I want to communicate with you right this moment If you give him opportunity to speak to you, you're gonna bear fruit. Why? Because you're hearing the voice of God and yes, he is going to use his word I mean, I could just open up a verse and let the words illuminate off the page, but it's That exchange between what he's written and what his holy spirit is illuminating to us it's that rhema word if you let his words who he is we learned in the first part of john john is said jesus is the word become flesh if you let jesus and his words powerfully affect and and inspire and encourage and challenge you you're going to bear fruit we're going to find out what that fruit is in just a minute As I was reading through um, not only John 15, but a lot of the verses surrounding um, what's been on my heart this morning, I noticed that every time a verse talked about remaining in him or abiding in him or having union with him, it always was surrounded by verses talking about his love. I mean, he does not separate his love from who he is because God is love. He does not separate his love from his relationship with us because his love is what drew us in. His love is what he sacrificed to purchase us, to take us, to graft us into himself. So I love how the very next verses of John 15 camp on his love. And we're going to talk about remaining in his love. I love each of you with the same love that the Father loves me. Let my love nourish your heart. And if you keep my commands, you will live in my love, just as I have kept my father's commands, for I am nourished and empowered by his love. In the Old Testament, uh, a city was protected and known for their strength according to how big their walls were, how strong, how tall, how wide, how deep their walls were. And it hit me that not only is that a picture of strength and protection and safety, but as we then look at God and his love, he challenges us to open up our hearts and let him come in. It talks about walls. I want to skip ahead and read a verse... um, Ephesians three seventeen. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, how deep is his love. And understand this. And may you experience this love of Christ. Though it is too great to understand fully, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. When we let him make his home in our hearts, when we remain in him and he remains in us, the walls of our heart become open to him and his strength His love takes on that protective nature. His love become the walls that surround us and keep us safe. And it is determined, right, by how high, how wide, how deep. And it defines that for us in Christ's love. It goes well beyond what we can imagine as high or well beyond what we can imagine as wide. His love goes beyond all that, and his love is a safe place. So if you here are sitting here this morning thinking, I kind of know love, I kind of have an understanding, I've kind of felt God's love before, but I don't really fully understand it. God is inviting you this morning into a greater, more intimate, safe place of security and peace and joy in his love. And that is what remaining in his love Begins to feel like, look like, experience. This past week, uh, my family and I we were in Tahoe, and um, it was beautiful. I have this gorgeous lake out in front of you, and you have pine trees all around. Uh, we looked it up. Lake Tahoe is the largest alpine lake in North America. Is that right? Is that what I'm remembering? And. Not only is the lake beautiful, and I, I've, I've seen it before in the summertime. I've never seen it in the winter, so it was, it was a little different. It was really beautiful. But it, it hit me. There are, there are literally pine trees as far as the eye can see. I mean, I could look in any direction around where I was standing, and all I could see were pine trees. And they were monstrously tall. I mean, we took a gondola from where we were staying up to the next, Um, Little place resort up ahead and literally as we kept climbing the trees just kept looking bigger and bigger and it was the same tree It just kept going for miles and miles and miles and miles And it gave me a a new Understanding of what that looks like what god's love and the height and the depth and the breadth of what it looks like Really really means. I mean we could literally have gotten lost in the woods We would make a a turn and we wouldn't be able to find our way out because every turn looked the same. It was pine tree, tall pine tree, another tall pine tree, a rock, the same rock. No, that's a different rock. God's love is like that, and he wants you to get lost in it. He wants you to take as many turns in, in, in looking and hike, I mean, hiking, you can hike in it too, um, seeking and, and desiring what his love looks like, and it's okay to get lost in because it's a safe place. And so on Sunday mornings, when we worship, it's a safe place to get lost in his love. And at home, when you're having your quiet time, it's a safe place to get lost in his love. And his love is high, and his love is wide, and his love goes down so deep that it sacrificed his only son. And it's a safe place. His love is protective. John 15 goes on from saying, uh, talking about remaining in me, to production, to fruit. If you do these things, if you so graft yourself into me and let me so graft my love into your hearts, you will produce fruit. And it hit me that this union with Christ was leading us to a unity among others and it was that picture of being one with christ but also being one unified with with others and if we're apart from him then we we don't get this if we're apart from the vine apart from christ we cannot do life well together we cannot be unified as he requires and and desires and yet our fruit that overflows out of this love relationship that we have with jesus turns into unity in the body, turns into us loving one another well, us living in life together well. And I love, I love the message version of Romans 12, 1 through 2. I mean, here we're talking about being transformed, letting God's love change us from the inside out. We're talking about having this metamorphosis of no longer is it just me and Jesus. There's more to it. And he says in Romans 12, one through two, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you. He develops well-formed maturity in you. That is the picture of unity with Christ, but also unity with brothers. He desires to make us mature so we can function together, loving each other, serving each other, encouraging each other, sharpening each other, serving each Our union with Christ and His love gives us the maturity to bear fruit. There was one Sunday where <clears throat> I woke up and I, it's not that I was sick, I was just tired. It had been a long week. And to be honest, I just rolled over and I kind of thought, I might not go to church today. I don't have any responsibilities. Bed feels really good and warm. They won't miss me, really. I mean, yeah. I might just stay here. And I quickly heard the Holy Spirit say, you have to go and you have to love. You might not feel like it, but you have to go. You have to love. And I said, God, is there uh, something you want me to tell someone? Is there somebody I need to pray for? He said, yes, you must go. So I got up, and I got ready for church, and I came. And the whole time through worship, I worshiped God, and I kept saying, Lord, who am I supposed to talk to? Who am I supposed to pray for? You said I needed to come. And I, I knew it was for me, too. I mean, don't, don't hear me wrong. But I knew that it wasn't just about me and Jesus. I mean, I was fine. I had already, you know, I would had a great week of devotions. And I had a great time with God all week long. It wasn't like I needed to come to church to see God. Right? But I needed to come to church to love on others. And so I did. And I was obedient. And when I got here, he gave me this big old long word for someone, and I got to pray with them, and I got to show love, and I got to see it impact their hearts, and I don't say that to toot my own horn. I say that because we are dependent on each other, and we are dependent on Jesus, and it wasn't my word for them. It was his word for them, but it was my obedience saying, it's not only my relationship with God that matters, but it's my relationship out into the body, bearing fruit, loving on others that matters. And so I want to remind you, in the nicest way possible, we are not ornamental vines. We are consumable, producible, fruit-bearing vines. And we don't give fruit out that we wouldn't eat ourselves. We don't give fruit out and produce fruit apart from... From the Holy Spirit who is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. That is the fruit that we give out because we are not ornamental vines. We are not decorative. We are designed to bear life-giving, abundant, edible fruit. And as we give it out to others and we give of ourselves and give of Christ, They then partake, and they're partaking in his nature. They're partaking of the Christ who is the word of God. They are partaking of life. They are partaking of freedom. They are partaking of truth. And some of you here this morning need to partake for yourself. And some of you this morning might need a little shift in your mindset that says, I need to give out more fruit. Whatever category you fit in this morning, that's between you and God but I want to give you the opportunity this morning to make that exchange with God and to say, here's where I'm at, God. Maybe some of you aren't even connected to the vine yet. Maybe you haven't been grafted in. Or maybe you're not choosing to remain in him because it's a choice. He's not after robots. He's after your heart. He's after your affections. He's after your emotional response to that desires and hungers to stay in him. It says in John fifteen twelve through 13, This is my command, love each other deeply as much as I have loved you, for the greatest love of all is one that sacrifices his life for his friends. This morning... I want to give us an opportunity to respond to to what we've heard, to respond to his love, to respond to the idea that he's calling us into perfect harmony with each other. Colossians 3 talks about how we actually must clothe ourselves. It's our choice. It's our responsibility. You must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, Making allowances for each other's faults and forgiving those who offend you. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us together in perfect harmony, that union with the body. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts, for as members of one body, you are called to live in peace. And it slips in there. Always be thankful. Thankfulness is huge. And some of you might have had a hard time this week trying to find one thing to be thankful for. God's love is a big one. Nothing else. This morning, be thankful that God so loved the world that he gave his only son to graft you in to his love so that you could produce life-giving fruit for your mom. For your neighbor, or your boss, or your husband, or your children. I'd like us to just close our eyes. And God, your presence is already here, your love has already been poured out. But God, we want to take this moment. We want to give you space. We want to open the walls of our hearts, peeling it back, peeling back the, the wounds and the hurts and the frustrations and the doubts. And we want to give you the opportunity to come and remain, abide, have union with us this morning. And so if there's anyone here in this room who has never given their heart to Jesus, never opened up the walls of insecurity and shame, never said, I need you, Lord, I need you, if that's you this morning, I'm not going to embarrass you, but I would ask that you would raise your hand and say, that's me. I need Jesus. I see that I cannot live life without Him. That apart from Him, I cannot have the joy that I'm desiring, have the peace that I hunger for, have the ability to love my neighbor. If that's you this morning, would you just lift up your hand where you're at? Give you a minute to respond to Jesus. If that's you and you're here and you've never received Jesus as Lord of your life, you've never been grafted into His body, raise your hand. We'll pray for you. And if you're here sitting in this place saying, I just want more of God's love. I want to experience the height of And the depth and the breadth of his love beyond my limitations, beyond my way of thinking, beyond my past experiences, beyond my past encounters. I just want more of God and I want to choose to dive into his love today. I want to remain in him. I want to be called out of the world, as it says towards the end of John 15, chosen out of the world. And I want to become a friend to God more of a friend, a deeper, intimate union with Him. If that's you this morning, just raise your hand and respond to His Spirit. All right, let's all stand. There's several of you who have responded, and so I just want to give you space and time to connect with the Holy Spirit. If we could sing a song and just connect with Him. God, we just want to connect to our hearts to yours right now. We want to dive into your ocean of grace. We want to give you permission to have your way in our hearts, to abide deeper in our spirit, to show us what it looks like to be loved, to be loved to those around us, to be in union with love himself. Because love has a name. Victory has a name. Peace and joy have a name. And the name is Jesus. King of all kings. Lord of all lords. One God above every other name. And so we want to connect with you right now. We give you permission. have your way. Before I
2: spoke a word.
1: You're not getting that connection that you desire. We're going to have our prayer teams up here at the end. And we invite you to come forward for any need. Health, wellness, your mind. God cares about the whole person, And his love is here this morning to transform. If we just allow it to wreck us, he promises he'll do it word does not return void. And so this morning, if you need a physical touch from the Holy Spirit, from God the Father, come forward and we'll have our prayer teams here. God, we just thank you that you are here and that you are love, and that you are present. And we honor you. We honor your word. We honor the work that you've already done in our hearts. And we honor the work that you will continue to do as we allow you to work deep inside of us this week. Choosing daily, choosing every moment, moment by moment, hour by hour, every minute, diving into you, remaining into you, choosing to find your love, to grasp a hold of it, and to stay in there, getting lost in it. We commit to you to love you and to love others. We thank you that you've given us the power and the authority in your Holy Spirit to do that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.